Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to episode number 69 of the Scottish History Podcast. My name is Owen Innes and this week what we're going to be doing is something a little bit different. The reason being uh, because I, unfortunately I don't have the time to do a proper research for a, you know, a proper episode. But I wanted to get something out there this week um, and when this ever occurs again then this might be the sort of thing that I might do. Um so basically a little background on what I'm going to be doing this week is uh, on Facebook I am a member uh, of some of these Scotland Facebook groups and a lot of them you tend to see the same things coming up again and again and again, the same pictures getting shared, the same articles getting shared and things like that. And what I usually do is I usually save some of these articles if I think, that, you know, they might be interesting, you know, just for reading whilst I'm at work or something like that. And uh, one of them in particular kind of caught my eye. Um, and what I thought I would do is I would, I would go through one of these articles. So this article is called What Not to Do in Scotland, 21 Things You Should Avoid on Your Trip to Scotland. Now, this was written by Paul McDougall, and it's on a website called travelmedium.com. What I will do is I will leave a link to the article itself so that you can read through it, uh, I suppose, or read through it at your own leisure. Um, But what I want to do is I want to give you my opinion on a lot of what these things are saying. So... What we'll do is we'll just crack on. So what not to do in Scotland, 21 things you should avoid on your trip to Scotland. So the first one is probably going to be the hardest one uh, to explain. So number one, don't claim to be Scottish. Now, I think the way in which that is worded is probably not the correct wording. It sounds a lot more harsh than, I suppose, what it really means. So don't claim to be Scottish. To me, what that means is, uh, you know, when tourists come across here and they say, hello, I am Scottish. 
um, when what you really mean is that you have Scottish ancestry. Now, obviously, I get tons of emails and messages every single week from from those of you in America, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, um, where you're saying that, you know, that you have Scottish ancestry, you've done one of these DNA tests on 23andMe or whatever these things are called, um, and you found out that you are a percentage of Scottish, um, or that you have a percentage of Scottish ancestry or Scottish blood within you. And that's fair enough, if you word it that way. So if you word it of the way that, you know, if, if you're from Chicago, you're born in Chicago, you're from Chicago, you're American, you're not Scottish, if that makes sense. I'm Scottish because I was born in Scotland. If I was born in England, like my dad, my dad was born in England, but yet lives in Scotland. Um, but he moved here a very very at a very young age so he's Scottish if that makes sense you know he has a Scottish accent and things like that but realistically my dad is English because he was born in England if that sort of makes sense um so I think basically what this first one and as I say it's probably the most difficult one to explain but uh, so don't claim to be Scottish basically what it means is word it differently say that you have Scottish Scottish ancestry rather than saying that you are Scottish, because in general terms, if you're not born here, you're not Scottish, if that makes sense. So, um, like, I, if I was to do one of these DNA tests, which I would never do, I, 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 I don't agree with these sort of DNA tests and things like that, but that's a moral thing. Um, and I found out that I was 39% Swedish. I wouldn't go to Sweden and say that I was Swedish, if that makes sense. So, just word it correctly. Anyway, number two, don't do a stupid Scottish accent. This one I completely agree with. Um, please don't come up to us and say freedom in the uh, weirdest accent that we've ever heard. I mean, even Mel Gibson couldn't do a proper Scottish accent. So don't try and do a Mel Gibson accent trying to do a Scottish accent. The Scottish accent, according even to actors and things like that, is one of the hardest accents to replicate. And there's not very many, um, certainly in films and things like that, there's not very many films who, and when they try and do a Scottish accent, that it's legitimate. Um, Groundskeeper Willie, for example, that's a big one when people think of Scottish accents. They think of Groundskeeper Willie from The Simpsons. And that's a terrible Scottish accent. Um, Mike Myers, I suppose, probably does one of the best ones. You know, Shrek, basically. Shrek is it's a Scottish accent. And, of course, in um, So I Married an Axe Murderer and uh, the character Fat Bastard in Austin Powers as well. So there are good ones out there, but there's one guy who's done four or five, and they are all exactly the same. Let's, let's not... Uh, uh, beat around the bush with that one, but uh, yeah, um, yeah. Try not to do stupid Scottish accents. We will find it annoying and very tedious. So the third one is don't ask endless questions about money. Um, Scottish money looks different to English money. Yeah, it does. Of course, it does. Um, our 
um, paper bills. Or they're not paper anymore. They're kind of plastic um, because it rains so much so that your paper um, fiver won't disintegrate in the wash. Um, but yeah, um, so basically England has the Bank of England, which was, believe it or not, uh, invented by a Scotsman. Or should I say, started by a Scotsman. Um, but basically, when you go down to England, everything is Bank of England. Every single banknote is Bank of England. You come up to Scotland, we have three main banks. We have the Royal Bank of Scotland, the Bank of Scotland, and the Clydesdale Bank. And every single one of these three banks has their own banknotes. They're roughly the same colours, so... Um, a £5 note, we don't have ones uh, or £2 notes. Uh, we used to have £1 notes, but they were discontinued. But a £5 note is usually blue. And the other thing as well is they're all different sizes. So the smaller denomination, the smaller the note is. Um, which is something that I found very strange with uh, euros and uh, dollars as well. That they're all exactly the same size. Dollars is more difficult because they're all the same size and they're all the same colour, um, pretty much. But yeah, so our £5 notes are quite small. They're blue. Uh, then you have uh, the £10 notes, which is brown. Uh, the £20 note, which is purple. A £50 note, which is kind of a red, uh, kind of deep red. And I think the £100 note is green. If I remember rightly, I haven't seen a £100 note in a very long time. So, um, but yeah, so yeah, we, we have different and, and they all have different people on them as well. So different faces and stuff like that, because obviously um, the Bank of England has the Queen on them. The Bank of Scotland um, has Robert the Bruce or, um, yeah, James Watt or something like that on ours. So, yeah, uh, so we do have different money than down in England. Please don't tell us the story of how you went from Scotland down to England with a £10 note because, yeah, it'll only rile us up because we get very, very annoyed when we take Scottish notes down to England and they don't accept them. Uh, they should accept them. Um, however, they do also reserve the right not to accept them because that's the same, absolutely, anyway. Anyway, number four, don't prioritise Loch Ness. Hmm. If you're here for a very short space of time and you want to see, and, and you know, you're visiting Edinburgh, but you want to take a trip up to the Highlands, take one of these one-day trips up to Loch Ness, um, because you will see, you're not only seeing Loch Ness, you're seeing, you know, pretty much the Highlands in general over the space of just a day. I mean, it's a long day, don't get me wrong. Um, I mean, you spend eight out of the oh, 12 hours on the tours, on the bus, but you get to see Loch Ness, you get to see Glencoe, um, yeah, you don't get to spend a huge amount of time there, but you, you get that sort of taste for it as well. Um, and yeah, there are better lochs out there. I mean, uh, Loch Lomond, I wouldn't say Loch Lomond's a better loch than Loch Ness. Uh, I'm quite interested in the sort of geology and things like that of the uh, you'll remember we did the episode about the Caledonian Canal with the Great Glen, um, and I'm fascinated by the Great Glen Fall and things like that, you know, so like one side is completely different to the other side, it's different rocks and different types of trees and 
things like that. So Loch Ness has a lot more to it when you really get down into the um, bizarre things that only certain people like. So, yeah, so I, I don't necessarily agree with don't prioritise Loch Ness. There are other things to see, but it depends on your time scale and it depends on how you're getting around. If you're going by train, for example, it's going to be very, very difficult because you're going to have to walk to all of these other places or rely on public transport, which is never a great idea. Um, you know, but if you've hired your own car, of course, there are plenty of many other places to go. Uh, number five related to that, don't tell people that the Loch Ness Monster doesn't exist. Um, and then this this article then says, let's be honest, we all know it doesn't, um, which is wrong. The Loch Ness Monster definitely does exist. I've seen it. Thank you very much. Let's move on. Number six, don't expect good weather. Don't expect anything, I, I think, is, is kind of my, the way that I kind of go through life. Don't expect anything good. Um, so don't expect good weather. Yeah, it's always nice when it happens. Um, and most of the time, the weather's actually quite pleasant. Um, even if it's, you know, I, I remember going to Sky in January. Um, I think like January the 7th, taking um, a small group up there and, uh, it was a family from Australia, and uh, the dad was wearing shorts and t-shirt, and it was minus five degrees outside, and he was absolutely loving life. Um, I mean, there was literally frost and snow on the hills and things like that, um, which to me was actually, I, I was very, very impressed, because I had three pairs of trousers, um, two pairs of socks, I think I had two jumpers, a t-shirt, and a hat, and gloves on that day. Um so yeah, uh, don't expect good weather, but don't expect it to be raining the entire time. Today has been absolutely awful, um, I'm not going to lie, um, in terms of the rain. But yeah, we've kind of been hit quite badly with the weather in, over the last few days. Just just since Friday, we've had um, wind storms, we've had ice, then we had a day of snow, literally a day of snow. Not even a day, 12 hours maybe, and then it all melted. Um, and then the wind picked up again and now it's raining and uh, I came across about three closed roads on my way home um, just because of the water so yeah so th this one don't expect good weather don't expect anything you know if you keep your expectations low it makes things even better uh, when things go right um, some places like Glencoe uh, look more amazing um, when it is raining, because um, you get the cascading waterfalls off of the mountains. Um, the, the, another popular spot is the fairy pools on uh, the Isle of Skye. In the height of summer, say for example, and it's not rained for, say, a week, fairy pools are very bland. Nothing's really going on because there's no water coming down from the mountains to supply the waterfalls. So, yeah. Number seven, don't just visit Edinburgh. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Don't just visit Edinburgh. Go to Glasgow. Go to Stirling. Um, if you're only here for a short space of time, Glasgow and Stirling you can easily do over the course of a couple of days. Um, public transport to get there is very good again. So if you're not r renting a car, um, it's very, very easy to get to. 
these uh, these two other cities, Dunfermline as well, is a great little place to to go and visit Fife. You know, get the train across to Fife and um, get train to St Andrews, get the bus to St Andrews. You know, there's there's so many places within reach of Edinburgh. But if Edinburgh's your base, um, where you're going to base yourself and you're going to go out every single day to a new place. Um, then Edinburgh is a great place to do that from. Stirling is a great place to do that from. Glasgow is a great place to do that from. Even, again, Dunfermline or, or just across in Fife. There's so many ways to get around. Um, and, you know, you don't need to go up to the Highlands. Also, if you're in Edinburgh, it is very easy now to get down towards the borders. We now have the Borders Railway Line, uh, which opened just a few years ago, uh, or reopened just a few years ago. So you can go to places like um, Galashiels and and places that are in the Scottish borders um, and that I am going to start focusing a little bit more on the Scottish borders as we kind of go through the uh, the podcast So because um, it's been something that's been highly highly uh, recommended and uh, it's not an area that I know too much about and despite the fact that I'm actually closer to the borders I live closer to the borders than I do to the Highlands for example but yeah um, so most definitely, don't just visit Edinburgh. Uh, visit there are so many other places to visit just within the central belt, just within the centre of Scotland um, that you can see as well. Number eight, don't avoid haggis. This one, I, once again, I completely and utterly agree with. Just because it looks nasty and it sounds nasty doesn't mean that it is nasty. Um, dark chocolate to me is nasty. I don't like dark chocolate. I love milk chocolate. You know, it's it's everyone's own opinion, but you don't know if you like it until you try it. Um, it is not a nice sounding thing, but it is one of the most tastiest things uh, that you will ever have. I mean, we have so many different varieties in which you can have haggis. You can have, of course, haggis neeps and tatties. Um, you can even... Uh, ruin it by putting loads of uh, whiskey sauce or peppercorn sauce or whatever over the top of it. That's that seems to be uh, kind of the thing nowadays. But you can get haggis bonbons, which is haggis deep fried um, and in sort of little balls, so like haggis balls. Um, you can get a haggis supper from the um, from the chip shop, you know, which is basically a kind of sausage kind of length um, of haggis. You can get a haggis pudding, which is basically half of a haggis. Um, and this, of course, is is in batter and deep fried. You can get um, haggis pakora from Indian restaurants and things like that, which is once again battered and deep fried. There's so many different ways to try haggis. Um, there's, of course, I mentioned in the episode about haggis. There's vegetarian haggis as well, which is very very nice, and it basically tastes exactly the same to to, to my palate anyway. Um, you know, so there's so even if it is a vegetarian haggis, you've got to try it. It sounds weird um, and it sounds horrible, but yeah, um, it isn't. It is amazing and uh, almost guaranteed. Nine out of every ten people that I tell to try haggis ends up really, really enjoying it. Number nine, don't bother talking about soccer. Yeah, don't call it soccer. It's not called soccer here. It's called football, and we invented it. Um, we think, we claim, and we're probably right. So yeah, uh, don't bother talking about soccer. Um, a lot of these, I looked at a few articles, and this this one was kind of the more, um, the kind of more generalized one. 
But this one also came up in another one uh, that says, by asking someone what soccer team or what football team they support is also asking them the religion. And, um, yeah, I've not kind of delved too much into the religion thing yet. Um, but basically, um, there are two the two kind of big clubs uh, in Scotland. You have uh, Glasgow Celtic and you have the Rangers. Um, and basically, one uh, so Celtic were are historically a Catholic club supported by Catholic and and from Catholic part of Glasgow, and uh, the Rangers are supported by um, Protestants. Um, and it's kind of the same in Edinburgh as well with uh, Hibernian and Heart of Midlothian. You know that there's kind of these connotations. I think that religion should be absolutely nowhere near um, sport. It should really be, yeah. I'm I'm not going to go too much further into this because uh, I don't want to offend anybody uh, when it comes to religion because it's one of the things that I try not to talk about. But uh, yeah, um, yeah. If you want to ask us what football team that we support, um, ask us what football team that we support, and leave it there. Um, you know, or ask intriguing questions. Don't ask about the history, really. Um, if if you if you want to know more, it's probably best just to Google it. Uh, number ten. Don't bother talking about politics. Yeah, I would probably agree with that one as well. Um, because everyone, again, everyone has, everyone supports a different team, even when it comes to politics as well. Um, some people want uh, Scottish independence and some people don't. And, you know, there's there's this whole debate that you can have. And it, it was a question that I always, when people would ask me this when I was on tour, I'd say, I, I, I would never discuss it on a tour. However, if you saw me sitting in the pub, buy me a pint. And I'll answer any questions. Um, but yeah, it's all personal opinion and things like that. Politics, football, maybe uh, two. Uh, f- football, politics and uh, money are three main subjects not to talk about um, to Scots people. Um, I would uh, just in general say. Uh, number 11, don't compare cities. Uh, yeah, there is no city which is better than the other. Um to most people, Edinburgh is not better than Glasgow. Edinburgh is different to Glasgow. Glasgow is different to Edinburgh. Stirling is similar to Edinburgh, but it's different. It's smaller. There's other things going on. Inverness is the capital of the Highlands. It's a city in the Highlands. Dunfermline is the old capital city. You know, there's so many. So, yeah, don't compare the cities because there is no comparison because they're not the same. They are all completely different places. And uh, they're all worth it in their own right. Um, number 12, uh, don't visit the Harry Potter stuff. I would probably say, I would probably add in, don't visit the Harry Potter or Outlander stuff. You're an adult, grow up. That's what the article says. Um, the Harry Potter stuff is quite fleeting, um, though. Um, I get well. The Elephant House Cafe is currently closed, which is um, you know they've had on the window for years. The birthplace of Harry Potter, 
Um, J.K. Rowling has confirmed that she may have written a couple of pages of the first book in that cafe, but most of it had been written before she even moved to Scotland, I think, or before she even moved to Edinburgh. Um, So, yeah, fictional characters are fictional characters. They're not real. Jamie Fraser isn't real. Harry Potter isn't real. That sort of thing. You know, sorry, but it's true. Um, you know, we we as Scots, we it's very very difficult to find a Scots person who actually likes Outlander. You know, no one that I know watches it. Um, I tried to watch it, and I didn't really kind of get it. It was Game of Thrones mixed with Fifty Shades of Grey for me. I just didn't. I just didn't get it. So. Um, you know, from a historical standpoint, that that kind of side of things was was quite entertaining uh, because it was mostly correct. But yeah, it wasn't my kind of thing. It's not my cup of tea, and don't assume that it is everyone else's cup of tea um, as well. Um, but one thing I will say with Outlander specifically is the fact that places like Culloden are being visited more, which is something which is absolutely fantastic because, again, the museum is brilliant there um, and it is a huge, huge part to world history. Once again, it's not just Scottish history or British history. Culloden affected the entire world um, at that time. Um, It brings more people to Dune Castle as well, my favourite castle in the whole country. So I could go on about that, but uh, but yeah, so... um, And, you know, don't shoot the messenger. It's all on this. I'm I'm just kind of giving you my opinion. Um, Number 13, don't go around telling everyone how small everything is. Yeah, Scotland is a very small country, um, and we don't do things on grand scales, um, you know. Edinburgh Old Town, for example, is quite tall, you know, there's there's no skyscrapers as such, but it's quite tall, but that's because, you know, to fit more people into such a small area, you need to build upwards, you can't really build outwards. Um, yeah, but also in the same respect, don't think that Scotland, just because Scotland is small does not mean that everything is very close by. Like, for example, again, one of these other articles that I read um, said uh, they overheard someone speaking in Portree on the Isle of Skye and saying, oh, we're just going to pop down to Elandonan Castle. We'll be back in an hour. It's like, no, it's going to take you an hour and 20 minutes to get there. It doesn't look that far on the map, but trust me, it is that far because the roads are small, there's no highway, it's, you know... Um, there's one lane for heading north, one lane for heading south, that's it. Um, you know, don't think that you can get anywhere quickly in the UK. It just doesn't happen, all right? Especially when you're on the islands. Uh, talking about islands, number 14 is don't skip the islands. Completely agree, do not skip the islands. Get yourself up to Orkney, get yourself to Sky. get yourself to Arran. The only place that I never really kind of bonded with was Mull. Um, but I did really enjoy Iona, and to go to Iona, you need to go to Mull. Um, Mull is a beautiful, beautiful place. It's a great place to go on your own, uh, you know, with your own car or in your own steam. Um, I found that the tour that we used to do, I just found it quite bland. There wasn't really much to do. You know, if if you enjoy parking up and going for a walk in the hills and things like that, Mull is brilliant for that. 
um, and for scenery and things like that, it is absolutely gorgeous. Um, but and Tobermory is very active <laughs> at night times, uh, lots of drinking and stuff like that going on. But yeah, um, do not skip the islands. Go to the islands. You'll find some islands that you like and some that you don't. Um, end of story. Number 15, don't assume that you can wild camp everywhere. That is very, very true. Now, we do have something in Scotland called the right to roam. That basically means that uh, if the land is not private and is not kind of owned by anybody, I'm using um, inverted commas here, it's not owned by anybody, um, yeah, you can't camp, for example, in national parks. Uh, Loch Lomond and Trossachs National Park, for example, you just simply cannot um, camp there whatsoever unless you have a camping permit or you have entered into a, a you know an actual campsite, which there are a few in uh, the Trossachs. Um, but yeah, so basically just kind of getting in a car or like you know renting a van or whatever or bringing your caravan, you can't just wild camp anywhere um you know most of the time you can set up as long as there's no private land or whatever most of the time you can find somewhere to to camp for the night um but yeah um always look where you are and ask questions around where you are in order to find what is going on number 16 don't disrespect bothies now, bothies are um, kind of quite small cabins, I suppose, uh, either wooden or made from stone. They're basically just kind of empty shells, empty kind of houses, just usually just one room. And they're usually for hill walkers and campers and, and things like that. Um, basically, so that as you're wandering around the hills, uh, if the weather gets too much, there's a bothy there. You know, they're not everywhere as well. That That's another thing that I will need to say, is there aren't just bothies conveniently located absolutely everywhere. They are kind of few and far between. Um, but basically, bothies are there to be used by campers or hill walkers, and you look after it. So anything that you do there, you are responsible for. So... Things like, you know, if you set a fire, you know, for cooking or whatever, you must make sure that that fire is properly extinguished and that everything is taken away. Bothies are there to be used and they are free of charge as well. That's the other thing. Um, so, you know, things like as well, they, you know, they don't have toilets at them. Um, so you've got to be very, very careful with what you do uh, around them. So don't disrespect them um, because uh, more and more of them, especially during lockdown, found that they were having to close them and lock them up because of the people disrespecting them. Uh, mainly because of number 17, when camping, don't leave stuff behind. Uh, there's that classic old saying, take nothing but photographs, leave nothing but footprints. Very, very true. Okay, um, Don't leave your rubbish lying uh, or your tent. That seems to be a big popular one, people who... Um, you know, they come over, they go to the shop, they buy a tent, they go around wild camping and things like that. And of course, bef- rather than, say, giving the tent to a charity or something like that, they instead just say, ah, we'll leave it there and, you know, the park ranger will come and pick it up and throw it away for us. Yeah, 
don't do that. Um, take all of your stuff away with you and throw it away properly or and or uh, give it away for free to someone who might need it. Number 18, don't drive too slowly on road trips. Yes, as a bus driver, taking tourists all the way around the country, it used to very much annoy me when you were stuck behind someone doing 30 miles an hour on a 60 mile an hour speed limit. Now, our road signs, specifically for speed limits, are very simple. If it's 30, it's a red circle with 30 written inside it. Then 40, this is the same. 50 is the same. And then what you get is a white symbol with a black line going through it diagonally. This means national speed limit. The national speed limit on a single carriageway road is 60 miles per hour. Uh, unless that road is a dual carriageway with a median in the middle, so with a central reservation in the middle uh, with a barrier. If that is the case, then it is a 70 mile an hour speed limit. And this happens all the time on uh, a road known as the A9, possibly one of the most dangerous roads, as far as I know, in the world. Yeah, don't drive too slowly. It annoys everyone behind you. When people get annoyed behind you, they get frustrated and then they start doing stupid things. They start trying to overtake you and that's when accidents and things start to happen. If you're not comfortable driving over here, don't do it. Get someone else to do it for you. Hire a private tour company or find someone who is more... uh, Find a travelling partner who's probably more comfortable with driving over here than yourself. Number 19, don't park in passing places. This happens an awful lot um, on the Isle of Skye. Um, passing places. So when, when you get to more far-flung places like the Isle of Skye, where it goes, you know, so I've been mentioning the road layouts, um, where you have one, say, one uh, lane for heading north, one lane for heading south. When you get onto the Isle of Skye, there's a lot of the roads where it is just one lane. Um, so basically you have the traffic heading north and the traffic heading south driving on the same road, the same part of the road. There is no two, there's no half, uh, half and half for one side to go up. So what we have are these passing places. So it's a single track road with passing places. If the passing place is on your left hand side, so as, as you approach a passing place and a car is coming towards you, or another vehicle I should say, is coming towards you, and that passing place is on your left hand side, you pull into that passing place to allow the traffic coming towards you to pass you. If that um, tra- if that passing place, pardon me, is on your right hand side, then the car coming towards you or the vehicle coming towards you will pull into the passing place to allow you to continue straight on. Now, can you imagine what would happen if you were to meet there and some daft tourist had decided to park their car in the passing place to go for a wander for four or five hours? Someone is going to have to reverse And then, of course, what then happens is as you're reversing, someone else comes up the back of you and then they're reversing. Then someone's in the back of them, etc. Yeah, passing places are exactly that. They are for passing traffic, not for parking. If they were for parking, they'd be called 
parking places. Number 20, don't buy stupid souvenirs. Uh, I disagree with this one. Buy as many stupid souvenirs as you want because they're stupid. Stupid souvenirs are the best thing. Rubbish fridge magnets, specifically, are things that I enjoy. Um, you know, stupid t-shirts with daft slogans on them. Those type of things are great. They're tatty. They're expensive. But what I would always say is buy yourself a souvenir that means something to you. Um, you know, don't immediately think... You know, if you're going to buy a tartan scarf, for example, buy one that will mean something to you. Don't buy, like, the Black Watch tartan scarf because that's a military tartan. Uh, unless you are military, then that makes no real sense. So... You know, always buy something that means something to you. Um, you know, buy a book or, you know, a postcard or something like that or something that, that makes you feel happy. Uh, but when it comes to souvenirs, just buy what makes you happy anyway. Um, yeah, I, I don't think I can really kind of add much more to that. Uh, and finally, number 21, don't ask people about clans. I suppose I kind of covered that in my own episode about clans. Yeah, don't ask me about clans because I, I can't tell you anything about them. We are not obsessed by them um, here at all. We don't know much. I don't know much about my own clan. So, I mean, I do get messages and I, and I do appreciate getting the messages and I will always tell you that I appreciate the message and thank you very much for sending them. But I am not here to do your genealogy for you. Because I'm not even prepared to do my own genealogy. Um, you know, all of the information that I could give to you, and say, for example, you've asked someone in a pub that it's not even me. Uh, you know, you ask someone in a pub about, you know, oh, oh, I'm part of such and such clan. What can you tell me about them? The first thing that we're going to do is go on Google. And we're going to Google it. And we're going to go to the Wikipedia page and tell you what's on there. You have the same amount of information as we have. Um, unless we are genealogists or unless the person that you're speaking to is a genealogist or someone who knows about clans. Um, clans, again, is not something that we um, pay attention to in everyday life. Um, I have even argued the fact on on another um, thing elsewhere that in theory clans as they were do not exist anymore. There are still clan gatherings and things like that, but we I don't go to one, and again I don't know anybody who does. Um, you know these things are, are for I suppose more kind of the, the higher in society. Uh, you know I don't know, but yeah. Um, it's not something, so don't expect a Scots person. So again, I, I think this this one is kind of worded incorrectly. So don't ask people about clans. What it should actually say is don't ask Scotch people about clans because the majority of us are not going to be able to give you any more information than you could find out yourself by looking it up online. 
Anyway, folks, that has been quite a long episode, um, but uh, I, I, I quite enjoyed it. Uh, it was nice to kind of just ramble on for a little bit. So um, thank you very much for listening. If you want to get in touch, you can do so via uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, at the usual places. Uh, you can email me at scotthistorypod at gmail.com. Uh, head over to the website, www.scotthistorypod.com. Dot com uh, to find out the latest episodes and lastly if you would like to support the podcast in some way you can do so via patreon that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash scott history pod and you can donate monthly to help with the running costs of the podcast so once again folks i hope you've enjoyed this one apologies i haven't been able to get a proper um researched episode out to you um so once again this article that i have been reading through was uh, from the website travelmedium.com and it was written by a man called paul mcdougall um so uh Fingers crossed I haven't breached any form of uh, copyright uh, or whatever. Um, and it's uh, it's a great article and I've even read a few of uh, Paul's other articles as well. So, yeah, um, very, very highly recommended that you head across to that website. But, yeah, I just thought I would give you my opinion on those things. So, once again, folks, thank you very much for listening and I will speak to you again next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.